Do not be afraid. It is one of the most consistent biblical messages we hear from Jesus. It appears in scripture nearly 150 times with a constant encouragement not to let our fears paralyze us and prevent us from living the abundant life to which we are called. Over and over again, we are reminded of the support offered through trust in God. For God is our very shield and strength. Do not be afraid. While these exact words do not appear in today's gospel passage, it is this spirit which characterizes the action of the story. The heroine of today's story was certainly not afraid. And I deliberately choose to call her a heroine rather than a sinner, for that is simply stating the obvious. The so-called woman with the alabaster jar was not afraid to crash a party. You see, she must have had a prior relationship with Jesus and had received some form of healing from him. While we don't know the details, it seems safe to assume that she was familiar with his preaching and had at least one previous very personal encounter in which Jesus had forgiven her many sins. Now here in today's story, she seems to have heard through the grapevine that Jesus was scheduled to keynote at a black tie dinner at the Pharisee's house. Simon. Not only was this out of her league socially, but she was uninvited, and this would be a high-profile event. So she staked out the venue on the day of the event, and wouldn't you know it, one of her friends was working the door. She was able to slip in unnoticed, quietly hiding in the corner until Jesus' arrival. She waited patiently until just the right moment during the dinner to make her move. She got one of her friends to escort her to the head table and then bent down quickly to break the alabaster jar and began anointing Jesus' feet. Immediately, tears of extreme joy began to flow. She was overcome by the opportunity to thank this amazing man who had somehow seen her pain and generously offered forgiveness and healing. It was through his healing touch that she was able to see a new way of life. She did not have to live a life of burden and shame. Of course, her actions created quite a scene. Soon everyone in the house knew that something extravagant was happening because the smell of perfume had filled the atmosphere. All eyes became fixed on her, but she persevered by kissing Jesus' feet and even wiped them with her own hair. She was not afraid to show her true emotions and to offer a small gesture of compassion to Jesus in return for what he had done for her. She was not afraid to take a risk in order to offer an appropriate act of thanksgiving. And Jesus responded by not only affirming her actions, but by clearly displaying his power to forgive. He seems to have wanted to make it clear what was going on and to highlight the importance of her actions to both the host and to the guests. Now I want to make a few important historical notes to add some context to the story. 
the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the wealthy religious class and were very concerned with the law and social etiquette. Simon's hosting of this dinner party for Jesus was likely a social move, one that would bring prominence to his household and bring together some of the most powerful community leaders for a night of serious networking. It would be the event of the season and mobilize many onlookers, both internally and externally. The woman was not only crashing a party, but also bringing some ser breaking some serious boundaries. She was out of her social class and also her gender group. The servant's role. The seating arrangement at this dinner party would have involved guests reclining on couches with their feet outstretched behind. In washing and anointing Jesus' feet, the woman took on the usual role of the servant. Washing of guests' feet would typically be done upon their arrival as an act of refreshment and to keep the dirt from being tracked throughout the house. The story tells us that this was not done upon Jesus' arrival. The woman seems to have planned to kiss and anoint Jesus' feet with ointment, but also stepped in to bathe his feet with her tears and used her own hair as a makeshift towel. Custom did not allow women to let down their hair for any man but their own husband. Women were also not allowed to touch men. Her physical gestures and contact added a significant level of intimacy to the event. The alabaster jar. The alabaster of this jar would have been a very hard and expensive stone, similar to marble. These types of jars contained ointments, perfumes, and oils to prevent the perfume from spoiling. The jar usually had a long neck with a sealed top that needed to be broken for use and could only be used once. The perfume, too, was very expensive and was likely this woman's most prized possession. The woman with the alabaster jar teaches us a few very important things about managing fear in the Christian life. And notice I say managing. Jesus never said, do not have fear. Instead, he said, do not be afraid. Do not be the fear and let it control you. Do not be afraid to look for Jesus in uninvited places. God has a way of showing up in the most unexpected and uncouth of places. While it might seem strange in one sense to look for God at a lavish party, why not in a place of abundance and fellowship? Why not look for intimate experiences of God in social settings of the wealthy or poor, high or low? Also, consider those places in your life into which you have not invited God's intervention or looked for his hand. You might just be surprised by what he can do. Do not be afraid to invite all to the table. While the woman with the alabaster jar likely employed some trickster tactics to crash this dinner party, note that she was not thrown out when she was discovered. She was allowed to continue with the perfume routine. 
Jesus even seized the opportunity for a teaching moment by pointing out to Simon the hospitality, hospitality that she had demonstrated. Unconventional guests at the table have a lot to teach us about the mutuality God intends for our fellowship. The next time you are putting together a dinner party of your own, think about inviting that one neighbor or colleague who might be on the fringe. I promise you will learn something important. Do not be afraid to break social etiquette and boundaries in the name of God and ministry. Remember that these constructs are human-made and can often keep us from a diversity of experiences and people. Do not be afraid to share raw emotion with God. Scholars like to debate the nature of our heroine's tears. Were they tears of repentance or tears of joy? It doesn't really matter. In any case, they were very strong and very natural. This is how we should be praying and communicating with God. We do not need to produce beautiful collects and proper prayers all the time. Simply get in touch with your real feelings and share them with God. Trust me, he wants to know. And finally, do not be afraid to give your very best to God. The alabaster jar was likely the heroine's most valuable possession. She may have had it for a long time, perhaps waiting on the mantle for that very special person and occasion. Imagine the joy she felt learning where Jesus was to be that night and knowing in her gut that the time had come to break open that alabaster jar, to hold back nothing from the Lord. This is how our offerings should be made. A final note. The woman with the alabaster jar remains unnamed. And quite frankly, this really bothers me. The passage even goes on to name other women who cared for Jesus. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna. We are told that these women provided for Jesus out of their own resources, allowing him to travel and preach. They were essentially the top donors, but still no mention of our heroine. But the more I reflected on this, the more I began to realize that, that perhaps Luke's author had it right in choosing not to name her, for it gives us the opportunity to insert our own names into the story. As we travel through the season of Pentecost, may the Spirit empower us to be as fearless as the woman with the alabaster jar, and may we continue to offer unceasing praise to the God we name as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.